Praise the Lord. Well, look at you all. Aren't you the hungry ones? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Khrubi says starving. I don't think I've seen Khrubi starve ever. But anyway, I'm glad you're starving, Khrubi. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a good day. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I need you to give me, when I'm done, 40 minutes, I need you to give me a five-minute warning. Please, MP. Praise Jesus. Well, we thank you, Lord, for this session this afternoon, that as the word is proclaimed, and we are ready to receive the word, that we will be ready to hear, ready to flow, and ready to change. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And right now, we put everything that has been plaguing us, worrying us, hindering us, distracting us, we put it behind us, and we're ready to focus on what God wants for us. Amen. So come on, let's, let's do, an, uh, do something, and let's just go like this. Come on, just go like this. Shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> Loosen up those shoulders. Shake it off. I'm not, I'm not going to have all that stuff on me. I'm free. I'm free. The clutter of my mind is gone, and I'm ready to receive the word. Your uncle wants to do this all day. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. All right. Well, if you can go with me in your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, you should have a Bible. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. So, we are going to be experiencing over the next couple of days, we're going to be experiencing what God has got for us through a thing called words. Amen. Amen. And uh, I mean, I'm being very simplistic about this, but I can stand here with all the anointing as I want to. It's got to be transmitted. And so words is a way that it gets transmitted. Certainly laying on of hands is another way. Sometimes the anointing of God, the presence of God can come so strong on a person's body that just the anointing on a person's God body can come into an auditorium and can affect people in any place, anywhere. And so you need to remain open to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could... We could get down from the pulpit here and walk around and the anointing can be so strong that it can, it can hit you and impact you and things can happen to your body because the anointing is here. Hallelujah. It doesn't happen as much as laying on of hands happens and people are more ready to receive the anointing through the laying on of hands. It's just a norm that has happened in the church. But people receive more because there's more norms to the words that are spoken. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes and he says, 
uh, that, uh, let me just get you on this version of the Bible. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So He didn't come in the excellency of speech. He came with a determination. And His determination was, I didn't want to come in the wisdom of things that people say. I'm coming in the power of God, not the excellence of words and the excellence of speech. I'm going to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. It says, my brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. So he wasn't interested in how well he could speak, how well he could he could inspire people with his speech, or as some people would refer to those days, people would go around showing how eloquent they could speak and impress people in the market space, in the square. They would stand and debate and show people how excellent they could speak. So he said, I'm not coming to you with the excellency of speech. I'm coming to you with the power of God. And uh, I want to, for a moment, just focus on that word, determine, because uh, it's, it's very important in terms of how this scripture is going to play out for us today, and setting a platform for us for the rest of the time that we are together. Because you don't want to hear Brother Joe, who's going to speak after me this, to this afternoon, or the speakers tomorrow, tonight, Brother Jerry, and other speakers. Uh, you don't want to hear any of us speak as experts, right? We are not here because we are experts. We are here because we have a walk with God. We are called by God, and we are called to bring a message from God. So that's why we are here. We are not here as experts. Amen. Well, you know, if you're an expert, then it means that you are trading on a knowledge base that you assume a higher ground than anybody else has. And so you give yourself as, I've got more knowledge on this subject than anyone else has. Well, I don't want to be in a position where I'm showing myself off like that. Because my job is not to show myself off. My job is to show Jesus off. It's to reveal His power. It's to demonstrate His power and for Him to do the work in you. Amen. And I, I know the people that are with me that are going to be speaking over the whole weekend. Neither, none of them, including Brother Jerry, wants to show himself as an expert. He's here to come and speak on 
how God will touch you and glorify and elevate Jesus. Yeah. We're all here because of Jesus, not because we are experts. Hallelujah. I think that there are too many so-called experts in the church that earn a salary because they are experts. Well, they can't be too much glory in that because that's not what Jesus called us to do. And Paul the Apostle is making this very strong emphasis. I'm not coming to you as an expert. I am determined. So that word determined is uh, to decree something or to, to judge or to esteem something. So if he says, I, am, I come and I determine, I'm not prejudging something. I'm not coming with an estimation of myself or anybody else or putting my words as esteemed. I'm not esteeming my words. I'm also not calling into question your place or what, where you find yourself. What I'm doing is I'm elevating Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm elevating Jesus. I'm raising up Jesus. I'm raising Him high. I'm putting Him on the highest level. I'm putting Him on the maximum place. The highest level. Amen. I'm not raising myself up to the highest level. I'm raising Jesus up to the highest level. I'm not raising up my own words to the highest level. I'm raising up Jesus' words to the highest level. Hallelujah. So, I'm not here to pick out anybody. That's what that word determined means. It has a whole... And I'm reading from the Greek here. I'm reading what the Greek word means. I'm not here to pronounce an opinion. That's the direct translation of this Greek word. To pronounce an opinion or to decide what is right or wrong. Merely to raise Jesus. So I'm not coming with words that can be weighed up and judged as to whether they raise to the highest level or not. I'm coming with the power of Jesus, and He's the one that determines what happens. Hallelujah. And so everything that we are going to be doing in this, in this uh, next couple of days is that we are going to be raising up Jesus. And so He says, if I continue to read, I'm reading now from the New King James Version. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I'm not here to judge you, esteem, or condemn, or raise up anything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I want us to be in a place of readiness to understand that all the messages that are, that are going to be declared... All the words that are going to come out of this, of this platform over the next couple of days that we position ourselves that we don't elevate one set of words above another set of words. But we receive the word of God that might come through any vessel for us. Because the power of God can be coming through a vessel in a way that may be unexpected. 
Yeah. Maybe unexpected. Somebody could say something, and you might say, well, you know, I, uh, Brother Jerry is the senior apostle here. He is the, he's the leader that is uh, amongst us, and uh, we all recognize him to be that. He's the apostle, senior apostle of this church. We receive him as that in our lives. And so everybody might say, well, we're waiting for him to talk. Meantime, God has elevated someone else's message, another word that might come through someone else to speak directly to you. Amen. So we're not coming through the eloquence of speech, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he can come to you in any way, any time, anyhow. Any moment he can touch you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. What? You know, this is the Apostle Paul. How is it possible that he says, I come to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling? Why would he put himself in that place? Well, because he understood that without the anointing of God and the power of God on his words, he would just sound like any other preacher. Or any other person speaking in the public square. And he didn't want to come and stand as a messenger of the Most High God and just sound like anybody else in the public square. He wanted to make sure that he was coming in fear of God, in trembling, understanding that he came with a message from God and needed to deliver it for God. Amen. Praise Jesus. And so my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words and human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So I have ministered this from this platform before, that this is not necessarily the gifts of the Spirit at work through the laying on of hands or the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But there is a power that comes with words that is the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when those words come out, they can cut your heart. They penetrate deep into your heart. And you get sometimes, if this is the way God needs to deal with you or with me, is sometimes we will feel convicted. You will feel, oh, you know what, I need to get... I need to clean up something here. I've got to fix this thing that I've got going on here. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's a, it's a, 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 a position that you have with God where you're saying, mm, I'm not sure that, that I'm ready to give my all to God. I'm not ready to do this or I'm not ready. The, the Word of God can come with such power that when the preaching comes with that power, it gets in there like a sword. That's what the Word of God is by the Holy Spirit. It's a sharp sword, and it gets right in there, and it starts to divide and cut what's your soul and what's spirit, and it begins to make its work there. That's the power of the Word. You can't do that with clever speech. You've got to do that with a power that's on words. Hallelujah. And so... He goes on and he says, but in demonstration of the Spirit uh, and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so as we go through this period of time, we do not want to be in a place where we are relying on the wisdom of men that comes from this pulpit. 
but in the power of God as the words come from this pulpit. We are trusting in the power of God. Hallelujah. Uh, to be sure, there is no Sunday or any other time that I get up here that I know that I'm standing in my communication skills. So bear with me for a minute. I am a pastor and I have a gift to teach. You know, Brother Joe and I were talking just yesterday, late afternoon, I think, Joe, and you were just talking to me about how there has been an anointing on this ministry to educate people, to teach people, you know, and uh, some 8,000 people later that have gone through our Bible school will testify to that, you know, that over 20 years we've been, we've been running Bible school under the mantle of Jerry Savelle Ministries and Jerry Savelle as our apostolic leader and Jerry Savelle as our chancellor of this Bible school. We've been doing this for 20 years. This month, this Perhaps even to the week, 20 years ago, we ran our first Bible school class. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I'm, this 8,000 people count as only the people that we've done in Heritage of Faith Bible Institute. That's not counting all the stuff, all the people we've touched through the Bible school we do with Brother Jerry's material into the rest of Africa. And even around South Africa. Who knows how many people we've touched. I mean... Last year we graduated, how many, 3,000, 3,200, something like that, 3,200 people in, just in, in Malawi uh, uh, alone. Hallelujah. So I could stand here and I could say to you, you know, I have a, I have a communication skill, I can communicate and I can, I can teach, so I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to teach you. Well, what I would be immediately doing is I would be coming to you with eloquent speech. And then the minute I do that, I'm operating in my gifting, not in my calling. So I can, there are a lot of people that are operating in their gifting, business people, I mean, I've seen it happen. Business people that are called to pastor, they know how to work with people. It is possible, I'm just going to touch on this for a minute. If you go to someone who's in the human resource department and they know how to, and they are the human resources director or manager or something like that, there's a good chance that God originally called them to be a pastor because they have a heart for people. It's quite possible that their gifting has placed them in a corporate position somewhere and they're using their gifting in business. It might be that God has actually gifted them to be in the ministry, but they wouldn't know because they're not giving themselves to God. So I can stand and operating in the gift, but I'd rather operate in the call. Because the gifting is accelerated in the call. It has power when you're called. Gifting just releases eloquence. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I am am gifted by God to communicate. 
my communication, and I've shared this with the young people, um, often my communication would be subtle communication and actually draw a response out of you because I can go like, and you go, you go what? And you say, say what? And again? I'm communicating to you. You see, because if I'm looking for a response, I can communicate not just with words. I can communicate with you. Yeah? Because if God has gifted me, then I am, part of my gifting would be to able to communicate with people because I can understand people. How can I be a pastor? How can I be a pastor? If I don't understand people, come on, I need to understand people. I need to have a passion for people. I need to have time for people. I also need to be in a position where if people need help in their life, I'm ready to step in and help them. Amen. So, one day, uh, I was coming into Whitbank, and as I was arriving in Whitbank at, at the Watermayer off-ramp from Johannesburg, I got this phone call from a family, and uh, unfortunately, they're no longer part of our church, but uh, at the time, that family, they were having some troubles with the son in the, in the home, and uh, that son was on, a, on a, a depressive, mad rampage in his house. And his father was physically fighting him. So he was about 20, about 24 years old at the time. His father must have been about 50, maybe somewhere around about there. And, uh, and of course, a 24-year-old boy, that's a young man that's on a rampaging rage, wrestling with his father. At some point in time, his father's energy is going to run out quicker than, than, than his son's energy is going to run out. And he was at that point. When I got a phone call from his mom, because he wanted into the gun safe, he wanted the gun and he wanted to shoot himself. And uh, he, was, he was on a mad rampage in the house, destroying things. And uh, so I immediately went straight to the house and I walked into the, to the room and I asked, they were still wrestling on the, on the bed and I asked the mother, you know, where, where is the safe? And she said, the, the safe is there, the, that cupboard. So I just went and I stood in front of the safe. And the father was, was perspiring and he was, he was, you know, in bad shape. And he said, thank you, Pastor John, for arriving when you did, because I'm done. Physically, I couldn't keep him off anymore, you know. Well, you know, you could say, well, he should have smacked the son. Well, maybe his son would have smacked him back. And then you escalate violence. You know, so unless you know how to hit someone, don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because if you're going to hit him, especially if he's in a rage, you better hit him real hard and real heavy so that he doesn't get up. Because if he gets up in that rage, you've made things a lot worse. I don't know how much the father was thinking about that, but thank God he was just wrestling. He wasn't, they weren't trading blows. Anyway, I just went and stood in front, of the, in front of the safe and I said, you can stop now. You can leave it to me. 
And so the son, he, he was looking at me, and he was, he was crazy mad. And he said, get away from that sack, get away. And I said, no. I said, no. I said, I'm not moving here. In the name of Jesus, I will not move. And you will not touch this gun in the name of Jesus. And he stood there looking at me, and he, he was raging. And he was assessing how he could get me. I said, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And the next minute, he turned around and he grabbed, he grabbed the sound system. that was, He had a very expensive sound system. He just wrecked it. He grabbed the mirrors. He broke the mirrors. He just went crazy in that room. But he didn't come near me. You see, I wasn't using eloquent words to persuade him to stand down. I was there in the power of the Holy Spirit with few words. The power of the words was in what the Holy Spirit brought to the room. The name of Jesus brought to the room. It was not in eloquent words. You see, you could have any kind of eloquent words in that kind of situation and it means what? That rage was, it was demonically orchestrated rage. And only someone who understood who they were in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the name of Jesus, could stand there with authority and say, I'm not moving. And it doesn't matter how strong you are, it doesn't matter what rage you bring to this table. The name that is above every name is stronger than your rage. Hallelujah. And so what happens if I had come in, in some kind of eloquent words? He would have swatted me. Maybe I would have wrestled him for a couple of hours, a couple of minutes. Who knows? It might have escalated in violence because he might have felt more threatened because there's another man in the room. Who knows what might have happened? But thank God for the name of Jesus. After he had finished raging, he went and he sat on the edge of the bed. And then I went and I sat next to him and I put my arms around his shoulder my one arm around his shoulder, and I called him by name, and I said to him, and now we're going to start walking together, and your life is going to change, and we're going to find some solutions for your life. And so one of the things that caused him to get into such a rage was fear. He had fear of the future, and he had fear that he wasn't going to get a job, because he hadn't had a job for many months. And so... The wisdom that the Lord gave me was to approach one of the people in the church and ask them if they would provide him for a job, if he qualified. And so they interviewed him. They said, we can work with him. They got him a job. Three months later, he resigned from that job and got a better job and moved to another company. And he just, from there, he never looked back. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. After that, he married his girlfriend, has children. He never ever got into a, another rage like that ever again. Never hit that same depression ever again. Because the power of speech under the anointing of the Holy Spirit was much greater than any persuasive words. Hallelujah. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so, I, uh, I'm going to... Just in my last couple of minutes, I'm going to use the next few verses. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, not the wisdom of this age. You see, we can talk about economics, we can talk about uh, politics, 
We can talk about entertainment. We can talk about all manner of things that are the wisdom of this age. And they can come to what? They can end up just being eloquent words. Nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Come on. The apostle Paul is putting the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age together. And those two things are coming to nothing. Come on, I just communicated you with body language. I made, a, I made an emphasis statement. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, as much as we might become educated and we might pursue the wisdom of this age, you've got to understand that there are rulers that are behind the wisdom of this age. This is exactly what the Bible is saying. There are rulers that are behind the wisdom of this age that are among men. And if we tap into that wisdom, we're doing nothing more than promote their wisdom in the church. Now, why would we bring wisdom of men that have rulers of this age behind them into the church when we could rather bring the power of words into the church that is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God? Hallelujah. That's why when we come to pray and we have a house of prayer meetings, we don't tap into the wisdom of men. We actually tap into the foolishness of men. They say, why do you come together and use words to pray and use words to speak language that you don't understand? Where is the sense in that? No, of course, to you it makes no sense because it's stupidity and foolishness to you. Because you don't have that same Jesus that has got power living in you. So our words seem useless, but we know that they're words of power. So when we come together and pray, we are not exercising eloquent words. We are exercising the power speech of God. And we bring down with our speech... In God, we bring down those rulers. We don't confront them. We just we, we bring words that God wants us to speak. And those words get the will of God done. And when the will of God gets done, it automatically displaces what the rulers of this world want to bring. Praise Jesus. And so he goes on to say, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. God has kept this wisdom hidden from the wisdom of men for our glory. For our glory. As we prepare... As we prepare this weekend to enter into what God has got for us, I want to show you how God does things. In the next verse, he says, which none of the rulers of this age knew. He did, they did not know that God was using 
this for the glory of men. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This thing that God's prepared for those who love him is not something that's going to come through the wisdom of men or eloquent speech. This thing is going to come from what things that men seem to look like. It's foolishness. But it has power to bring glory. So the scripture is directly referring. Had the rulers that are so smart that bring all of this knowledge into the earth, that use the wisdom of men to promote themselves, had those rulers who are behind that wisdom known what, who Jesus was and what Jesus would do, they would not have crucified him. So they are so stupid that they couldn't see behind, they have to kill a man. They are so uneducated in the ways of God that they couldn't see past, we have to steal, kill, and destroy. So because they operate in the spirit of steal, kill, and destroy, they had to kill Jesus. Had they known who they were killing, they would not have done it because he was not going to come back by himself. He was going to come back as all of us. Forever and ever and ever to the glory of Jesus and the glory of us. Hallelujah. So, finally, how did he persuade men to kill Jesus? How did he persuade them? Words. He used eloquent speakers of the, the Hebrew Sanhedrin. The priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of the religious rulers of the time, he used their many words. Many, many words. Eloquent speaking words in the wisdom of men. They even quoted the wisdom of God's scriptures out of context of the time of God. There were a few exceptions. Nicodemus was an exception. Nicodemus was an exception. There were others that were exceptions. That when they heard, they believed. But they didn't follow after Jesus because of what people would say. But the Bible will tell you in various places that they did believe. But how did he use them? He used words. Can I remind you? Pontius Pilate stands up and he says, I have two people. I have Jesus and I have Barabbas. Who would you have me release to you? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. I can have Jesus flogged and I can have him punished. Crucify him. Crucify him. Words. Eloquent words. Words that are the wisdom of this age. Words determined to kill a body. But had they known that they were killing the word that became flesh in power, they would not have done it. Because when they killed the word that was in power, 
they released the full glory of that power for eternity. So you can hear words from the mouths of men and say what knowledge they have, what eloquence they walk in, what, how we feel inspired, how we feel truly uh, motivated to change our world. Or you can listen to words that come from the mouth of God and have the power that comes with it to change, to grow, to flow, and to be able to say, you're doing it for my glory, Lord. I receive my glory in you. Come on, say that with me. I receive my glory in you. You might say, ah, oh, you blaspheming. I'm not. I'm quoting from the book of John, and I'm quoting from the book of Corinthians. God gave it for our glory. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this message today? Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. I want you to just speak these words after me. I receive my glory from Jesus. In Jesus. I receive my glory. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You see, He's given us His Word to glorify His name, to glorify Himself in you, which means if you read in the book of John, it's for your glory too. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not blasphemy to walk around and laugh and have this mindset, uh, I think you're going to glorify me now, Lord. I think you're going to glorify me. I think you're going to glorify. Why? Because when Jesus is glorified in you, He glorifies you. Didn't Jesus say, glorify your son now so that the son can glorify you? Read it in the book of John. Yeah. And the, then Jesus said, I must go so that the glory that is with us can be on you. Yeah. Yeah. That's power speech. That's power speech. Yeah. I'm going to do what Brother Jerry does. That's what we do, man. Power speech, man. That's what we do, man. Power speech, man. That's what we do, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't have to really introduce you to Brother Joe, but, you know, I think, you know, anyway, welcome, Brother Joe, to the pulpit, back from Fort Worth again. Thank you, John. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking when John was speaking about words, because words is the language of God. And even when uh, I first got born again, I had already been saved, got totally away from God and ran for a long time. And when I came back in, I had professions that, like John said, uh, we had the professional talents, but didn't have the spiritual talents all. And so uh, I had a really good pastor. And he would always tell me, you know, you have to renew your mind, Joe. You're not renewing your mind to what your skills are. You know what banking is. You know what police work is. He said, but you're renewing your skills to the gospel part of what God wants you to do. And I never forgot that. Everybody has a vision. Everybody has a calling. But some of us are in somebody else's vision, but we still have that calling to help complete that. 
And I'll never forget that the first thing I noticed, but I didn't only notice it, because I found out that God said, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And we know that's Acts 1.8. And he said, it's to be a witness of me to other people. Well, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out of your life. And there's no doubt about it. And I remember the language we used in police work was terrible. Why? Because that's what the criminals used. So to think we had to be effective with them. Now, you would never hear me use the language on the street in the bank. I used a totally different set of language in the bank than I did on the night police force. Total vulgar language, bad language, because, see, that's what they spoke. And we thought we had to speak it to get them under whatever you were going to do with them didn't have to at all but I didn't know that because that's what we were taught when John was speaking there was a incident come up with you know I remember I went back after uh, I'd been saved and and you know the the officers in our department started noticing things and the first thing they come up and said Joe you don't cuss anymore I said no I don't cuss anymore and they said what happened okay now now you've got a chance to be a witness because who's in you is who takes the impurities out. Yeah. Amen. If you'll let him. Yeah. And so I said, well, I, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. He now lives in with me, and that's not pleasant to him, so I will not use that language. I can still be forceful on a call, but I don't have to use that language. And so I started speaking another language, and that language was the gospel or what would glorify God. And, you know, even in an atmosphere of people that didn't believe in God, maybe some of them didn't, well, a lot of them didn't serve God at that time, even in that department, they could see what we had was real. But when John was speaking, I remembered that I went in after a, quite a while of walking in the Word, my language had changed, you know, and, and my, my whole mannerism had changed. I prayed over ever, we got ready to go on a call, I prayed over the, the uh, all of the men, I prayed over the people we were going to arrest or whatever, you know. And uh, I didn't realize how much authority Christ really has to put in us that, that takes over darkness totally. But he was showing me by my walk through the light. How many know we're still writing the book of Acts? Amen. We're still writing it. Okay, it's our life now. Amen. Like, like pa Pastor John, me, Paul. But I remembered going back in to a presence of a lot of the officers. Some of them had been saved under, actually, I led them to the Lord. Some of them had not. But we went in one day, and we sat down at a restaurant, and one of them looked at me and said, uh, you kind of laxed. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you kind of laxed. You're not sitting towards the wall. Now, what's sitting towards the wall have to do? We didn't sit in the windows. We sat with our back to the wall. Because if somebody comes through with a gun, you didn't want to have your back to the window, and they shoot you before they come through. So what we did, we had our back to the wall. But that day, my back wasn't to the wall. And he said, you're getting lax. I said, no, my back is covered. I, it's a solid wall behind my back. What did it do? It, offered a, it, it made an opportunity to be a witness again. They said, what are you talking about? I said, God's got my back. Amen. So it, they will see how you change, but it's the glory of God that changes you, 
not just because you're a good person, okay? You'll become a better person, okay? But it's because you renew your mind and follow what the Word says. And uh, I, I started looking at the Word, you know, and I thought, well, which way are we going to go with this? And when Brother John was speaking, you know, the Lord brought this scripture up to me, and it was one of the ones that I probably used in the early years uh, more than a lot of them because I had a really good pastor. Nobody knew him. He wasn't well known. He was in a little bitty town across the tracks, they call it. You know, in other words, he wasn't on the side of the tracks that the popular churches was on. Little church on the other side that maybe run 150, 200 people where the ones across the track maybe run seven, 800, but full of sin. But they run seven, 800, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, nobody knew him. And then when they asked me where I went to church and I told them, they said, uh, Joe, you can't go to church there. I said, so why can't I? He said, well, you're a VP of the bank. You're vice president of the bank. You can't go over there. And I said, being a vice president of the bank has nowhere to I, nothing to do with where I go to church. Why? Because he was feeding me the word of God, yes. which that might have been the only place I could have found it in that city. Yes. And I'll never forget, he told me, he said, you've got to remember, if it's not the spirit, it profiteth nothing. And he said, so there's where you go to God Anytime you need a decision or a choice, you go to God. And he's going to speak to you and tell you which way to go or lead you and guide you. And I never forgot that, even when it had to do with banking. Uh, I remember one time when I moved down with Brother Jerry, uh, it, we were doing a deal with actually a bank, and we were doing a deal with the loan company, a, a type of loan company. It wasn't a loan, but it was a type of a loan company. And... Uh, I went into my my where my prayer chamber was, which is one of my offices, and I had a big desk. And under that desk, you could crawl up under it. You could actually get up under it. I mean, it had a large opening where you could get up under it. And I always call that my prayer chamber. So if I put a little note on the door, it just said, please do not disturb, I'm praying. Then the girls knew not to come in, or if they did come in, they just laid the stuff on the desk and then real quiet going out. And so I was, I was up under the prayer, and I said, Now, Lord, I'm going to do some kingdom business. I know how to do the bank business, but i got to have kingdom wisdom. I need to know what to say and then when not to say nothing. And I'll never forget, the Lord said, Joe, go to the safe and get a document. So I did. I went to the safe, and I got a document. And then he said, Now, go to the filing cabinet and get this document. And there actually were seven documents that he had me get and put into my case. And so when I went into this meeting, they're all sitting around. And, you know, and I'd never done one of these transactions quite like what we were getting ready to do. But I went and I sat down and he said, follow me and listen to me and I'll glorify myself today. Well, I didn't realize he was glorying himself to me. Yeah. In, in other words, he was going to show me something I didn't, I had never experienced before. And, you know, we love those type things. So they started out and they said, okay, uh, Mr. McCroskey said, uh, can, you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the ministry? And I did. Now, the banking type stuff they asked me was not a challenge. But then they said, well, you know, we're interested in this, but we would have to have a certain type document. And they named it. And so I said, uh, okay. Opened up my briefcase and I laid it out. So they read it and they said, well, you're a step ahead of most people because most people have to go back and get it. And they said, now, the other type of document we're going to need is 
seven documents they asked for, and I put seven documents on the table. Now listen what they said. You're a man that's done this a lot before. Now the Lord says, don't say a word. In other words, let them think whatever they want, okay? But I didn't know a thing about it. All I knew is what God said to do. Now, I'm getting to my point. The words that come out of your mouth better be what God's saying to tell you to say. And when he says, shut up, you shut up. Amen. So we closed it. They said, we've never closed this in one day. But we can see no reason for not closing. We closed in one day. So that meant we did something nobody else had done in one day because God knew everything. All I had to do is find out what's my part to glorify you, Lord. Amen. I never let them know that I didn't know anything about that transaction. Amen. Some of them just looked at it because they, were, they couldn't figure how could he get all those documents without, no, you know, just because they didn't ask for me anything. And I, I learned that something that day. The Lord said, now, Joe, I just glorified me within you. Christ in me, the very hope of glory. Amen. And I said, Lord, so if I don't know what to do, you do on everything. And I knew that, okay. It didn't matter whether it was a, a, a miracle that marked you, a business transaction that marked you. When you knew there was no way it should be done. You know, when I uh, first started out, I, I learned how to talk the word because it was the word. Not just a formality, but renewing your mind, you change your language. And so I learned to say blessed, not just because you sneezed, but I really wanted to bless your bless you in some way, you know. Uh, I learned the difference in giving. Uh, the church we came, we came up in really wasn't a giving church. Didn't require you to give a lot. It didn't, they did, didn't say it was a seed in any way. But when I started getting taught by a man of God, word of faith man, and he started showing me, you listen to God and you plant a seed. And you know, John, our words are seeds. Good or bad but they're seeds. And you know, I've used an illustration in churches all over about seeds and words. But I never forget, it, it never gets too old. Driving into Walmarts, I'm going down the right way, getting ready to get up front parking place, and a girl driving a car come down the wrong way and pull right into my parking place. And I said, bless you. That was not what I wanted to say. Come on. See, I learned that what I'm putting into me is coming out now. Because what I wanted to do was shake my fist. Oh, bless you. You know, now she knew she did wrong. She got out of the car and she said, I apologize. I said, no, ma'am. I'm glad you got this parking place. Bless you. In other words, somebody else might have jumped on her. Okay, cussed her out. But no, you're, cha you're glorifying God when he changes you. And you know who sees it more than anybody is you. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, I'm glad he's changed us. I'm glad he's changed Tony. <laughs> Me and Tony. 
me and Tony in Singapore in a halfway house. And they put, they would bring his prisoners in and give them one more chance to save their lives. And I'll say it that way. Or three strikes, they're in prison for the rest of their life. And so me and Tony are going to minister. Tony from the drug culture. Me from the police culture. In the old days, before we knew Christ, we killed each other. Now we're getting people changed by our testimony of glory of God, how he's got us working together now to get prisoners and people set free. But it changes. We see it. And all it makes you do is want to do more of it. Somebody asked me one time, said, so Brother Joe, why do you keep doing this? And I said, because one thing, it glorifies God. And the other thing is, it keeps us young. Amen. How many know, me and Brother Jerry 76, but our spirits don't know we're 76. Amen. Amen. But the words, and the guys in the police department and the bank, you know, one day, uh, I think I was working on the cashier side. I had come from the loan department side and was working on the cashier side. And uh, some of the tellers had some problems. We were getting it worked out and everything. There was a man walked in, and the Lord said, uh, let me out, Joe. And I said, so, Lord, something getting ready to happen. He said, yeah, let me out. And so I'm watching now, and I see the man walking up there. And all of a sudden, I see him hit the floor. I mean, he fell. And I mean, uh, I don't know if most people know what I'm talking about, but it was a dead fall. A dead fall is when you're, you're dead on your feet and you hit the ground. Amen. And so it was a dead fall. And when I seen it, I knew, okay, I've got to get to him. It wasn't I've got to get to him. It's God's hands through me has to get to him. And so I said, I just broke, went around, laid my hands on him, moved a couple people out because everybody was around him now, mainly wondering what's happening, you know. So I get around, and I get ready to lay my hands on him, you know, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. He said, you say the word. And he said, you know, my word was sent to heal them. And I said, I, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call healing into your body. Everybody around me is hearing this. And then the Lord said, and speak loudly in tongues. No, Lord, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, why? Because, hey, I'm in, I'm in a bank, and my president's standing over there. you got to make a choice. To glorify God, and sometimes it's not really what you're going to want to do. And, and you know, I love it when God can communicate with you without saying a word, or you saying a word, so quick, he says, what is Deuteronomy? I will hear it, and I will do it. And when I do, all these blessings will come upon me and my children. So I knew I can obey, I can disobey. And I said, so uh, your loudness and mine might be a little different. In other words, I'm not going to do it real loud. He said, no, loud. I said, now, what would be the difference, Lord, in loud and just maybe under my breath? Because he said loud. How is that going to glorify you, Lord? Because half these people don't believe in speaking in tongues. And I didn't know what the president and all the rest of them standing around. Well, boy, when I started praying loud in tongues, I had all the room I needed. Everybody moved out of the way. Okay? But see, it wasn't me. Now, the people looked at me that knew me. 
But the ones that knew me thought, what in the world is happening to Joe? Okay? And so the ambulance come in, people come in. They looked at him. They took his vitals and everything. Said, he'll be dead before we get to the hospital. I said, no, he won't. He'll be, in, he'll be back in here in three days. They heard me say that. Now, that came out of my spirit, man, of life. Because they said, he won't even make it to the hospital. And I said, no, you're wrong. He'll be back in this bank in three days. Now, that's like three days. Jesus said, I will rise. But that come out of my spirit, man. That wasn't Joe now, other than my voice. I was speaking his words. Of what? Life. And so everybody's looking, everybody, nobody's talking. And I sure didn't say a word after that because the Lord said, now you need to shut up. Because I thought, they, you're not going to know what to tell some of them. So, you know, they're all mumbling. You can see it. You know who they're talking about. Amen. So about three days later. Three days later, back door opens, man walks right through it, comes right to my desk in the VP section, and he said, you spoke words of life over me, and I heard them. He was, un he was unconscious, but he said, I heard the words you spoke over me. I, I heard a language that I'm not familiar with, but I could feel the power coming off that language that had life in it. Everything we do, where all we go, no matter if we understand their language or anything else, that language of the Spirit, everybody's going to understand, and the demons tremble at it. And it all has to do with opening your mouth and letting it come out. I learned over all that time that all I had to really do is pray and say, Lord, show me what to do. I told John about a situation one time. We went out and... Uh, I had only been in two major, uh, well, I, I don't know even how to say it, but it's uncontrollable crowds. In other words, one of them was a prison riot, uncontrollable, okay? And uh, I was with the highway patrol that night. They said, we need you to go with us. We're going down to take the prison back over. And I said, so tell us what you're going to do. And they said, well, we're getting ready to go in. There's two sets of rotundas. It's a circle-type prison. We're going to go through the first one. That's not going to be too bad. second one's going to be bad. And I said, so which one am I going to go in? They said, we're putting you onto the wall. And I said, so I'll be up on the tall wall, yeah. And they said, so I said, so what am I doing? They said, you'll be the, one of the only ones that will have live ammunition. I said, you telling me you got all these National Guards up there and they don't have live ammunition? No. And I said, to me, that's pretty stupid. Well, now, now, there is a time to say stuff, okay? Because the one that made that decision had never been in a riot, had never been where you did not have the ammunition or what you needed to put the evil down. But he made that decision. But it wasn't over us. The one that made our decision is the one that sent us in, which was the state control. And so we got up there and they put me up on the rotunda wall. And I could see, I mean, terrible things. And what was happening was they were cleansing. The darkness was trying to cleanse the good, okay? But it could not do it. So that had been the only one I'd been in. I'd never been in another one. Well, then our city, there was a riot came into our city. And so I, the sheriff called us. He said, how many guys do you have in your squad? I said, we've got five. And I said, I can get six if we need them. He said, take six and go now. And he said, I want you to observe. He knew my change. 
He didn't understand it. But he knew the change that was in me. I had a wisdom that I didn't even have from police work. There was familiar spirits I could understand from police work. But not the wisdom that I was getting from God's word and God's power. So I went and I observed. Captain comes in. Lieutenant comes in. And he says, uh, what do you observe, Joe? I said, I know, who's, I know we take three men out. It'll, be, it'll, it'll shut it down. So he said, how do you know that? I said, God told me. First time I had ever said that to anybody over my rank, God told me. There's three men back here, and I know where they're at, and I know, where they're, I, I know, where, I know exactly who they are. But my captain had to give the order because I didn't have that. Or I, had, I had the authority to God, but not through the legal system. And so the captain said, tell me again how you heard it. I said, I heard it. God said, take them out. If you take them out, it'll bust up. They'll all leave. And so he said, now, what is he doing? God is using a natural with the supernatural to bring him glory. Because he's the only one that's going to get it. And I'm the one that when it happens, I'm going to say, you better give the glory to God because it wasn't us. Amen? You're again going back to Acts where he's going to have you be a witness in this earth, walking through this earth to glorify him. Amen? And like John said, when you lift him higher, you're going to be touching people that don't believe this. And so the captain said, so you really believe this? I said, uh, don't even have a shadow of a doubt. And I started speaking in tongues, lightly on this one, okay? And he knew that language. He didn't know anything about it. But he had heard the patrolman say, uh, because we all had numbers, they'd say, Unit 26, yeah. And my partner, they'd say, is Joe praying in that funny language? <laughs> Kenny would say, yep, he is. <laughs> they knew it, but they didn't understand it. You know, but they knew. And so uh, he said, go take them out. So I took the five guys with me. We went over. They were sitting on the really nice little car, you know, kind of old type car. I went over and I said, young men, I need to talk to you for a minute. Had to get them off the car. Got them off the car. We knocked the fire out of them. We cuffed them and we took them out. That was it. I mean, within, I'm talking within five minutes, the whole crowd broke. It was over. Fire trucks were coming in to wet them all down, knock everybody on their feet to the ground. Didn't have to. Why? God had another plan. So we already knew if, if we couldn't have done it, maybe God would have glorified it through another way. But I'm going to tell you, he's going to glorify himself through you. Christ in you, Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You might be the only part of God somebody ever sees. And it could be what you say that changes somebody's life that's not born again, but makes a decision, I want you in my life, Lord. It doesn't mean they'll have experiences like you or they might. It doesn't matter because it's not about that. It's about the part of glorifying God. And it's always going to be what comes out of your mouth. Amen? You know, it was stuff like that because the Lord, he works with you the way you're developed. In other words, he knew how to work with me in the bank. He knew how to work with me in the police work. He knew how to work me work with me in the church. My pastor asked me one time, I went to him and said, Pastor, I'm hungry. I want to help you out. And I said, I don't know what you need me to do, but whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. And he says, uh, okay, let me pray about it. 
So he prayed about it, and he told me, he said, I need you to clean the toilets. The first impression was, it's natural, natural, not God. Now, I just asked for what? To help him out in some way. VPs don't usually clean the toilets. Vice presidents at the bank, I don't have to clean the toilet at the bank. And so the Lord said, well, are you too proud to do that? See, he'll deal with you the way you need to. Because like Brother John said, some things have to be out. And so I said, yes, I'll do that. So I'd come in. Boy, I'd go in there. I started praying in the Spirit, and I'd clean those toilets and everything, you know. And then my last prayer is, Lord, anybody sits down, let them have an experience. <laughs> I told my pastor that. Because... I said, let them feel the anointing, Lord. <laughs> you know, we learn, and we can laugh about it then. But you know what? I was very serious. My holy hands had touched those toilets and everything around them. So let them have a buzz, Lord. <laughs> but that's how we learn. And that's how we learn to glorify God in the simple things and then even in the hard things. And how can he give you a position higher if you can't even do the lower? Amen. Amen. And that's what, I, you know, somebody I asked, told him one time, I said, it was about serving. And I said, you have to serve or you'll never be a leader. They won't follow you unless you know how to serve. And then right after that, uh, my pastor come and he said, anybody had experience today? I said, yeah, I heard one go, woo! You know. How many know the gospel is good? It's fun. You don't have to be dry. You know, I mean, in some of the churches I've been into, you didn't even want to smile, you know, because they'd have thought you was in sin somehow. But it's, it's a good life. It's a fun life. And so the pastor, right after that, I, I probably cleaned those tools maybe a couple months, I'm going to say. He come to me and said, Joe, will you take the youth over? And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, I'll do it but I don't know how to do it. He said, same way you clean the toilets. He said, you listen to God, and you see what those kids need. And when I thought, when he said, take the youth, they'd be around 14 or 15. No, it was three-year-olds to about 16, all in the same room. And I really didn't know how to do that part, you know. But I'll tell you what, when the revival broke out in that church, it broke out in the kids, because a lot of the adults would not obeyed the spirit and so I remember one day we went in uh, Sunday morning and man those kids because they knew how to pray because what we taught them lay hands on the sick quote the word pray if somebody come in not feeling good all those kids would go over and lay their hands on them and pray for them we taught them the word and then we taught them fun we we made it fun okay but we made it the word based fun and pretty soon that Sunday we went in and I mean, the spirit fell. All those kids, they were, they were speaking in tongues. They were going from, they were just all over that room. And the Lord said, uh, the pastor said, go back and see what's going on in children's church. And so one of the ushers was coming back, and he fell on the floor halfway back and couldn't get no farther. So he got up, and said, so, well, he didn't come back yet. So the pastor said, go back and see what's going on back there. And so pretty soon, another one goes back. They're in the middle of the floor. There's two in the middle of the floor. Can't get no farther back. The glory was that much. 
Now, when glory of God gets it like that, it almost like a fog. Not always like fog, but it looks like a fog. But there's such a presence there that you can, if your body can't take it, you're not going to be in it. Amen? Now, you might go out in the spirit or whatever. So finally, the pastor says, call Joe and find out what's going on. Go to the back door. So they went around. I said, we got revival going back here. The spirit of God's here. And the pastor said, bring it to the sanctuary. And we, we brought them through, stepped over the men, brought them in. And when we went into the, into the area where the chapel was, everybody, the kids started going and every person they touched would hit the floor. And that's where the revival started. Not with the adults, with the kids in the back room. Why? Because they got on fire. And you know what? That's why the Lord says, be like little children. Don't hold anything back. And you know, there's a lot of people, you know, if they're in the presence of some people, they don't act that way. But if they're in the other place, they'll act that way. No, little children, they act the same way. They don't care. And it hit that way. And I learned right then, Lord, you can do anything you want to do. And, of course, the last thing I'm going to close. Uh, John asked me, uh, I don't know how many was here the other day when I talked about the... Uh, first experience that marked my life where healing was concerned uh, I was I love Brother Shanbach's ministry and I would listen to him when I was in my gun shop and I'd have him on the radio and I thought Brother Shanbach was black I thought he was a black man I'd never seen him I'd listened to all his stuff on the radio but I didn't I thought he was a black man so he was going to be in Tulsa and uh, my pastor asked me said Joe we got a chance to go see Pastor uh, Brother Shambach and Brother Hagen and some more. And I said, oh, I'd love to go. Well, before we went up, we took and agreed we would have front row seats. And I really was kind of wavering on that. I was teeter-tottering, I, I call it teeter-tottering. You know, that's Christians that are up and down all the time. You know, one's on one teeter-totter, one's on the other, but it's up and down all the time. So I was kind of, because I, I hadn't been a Christian a long time. And uh, we got up there, no, no seats in the front. Not any seats in the back. And we thought we was going to stand up. And they said, you know what? Come on with me. And they went up and put a row right in the front row. In front of the other, the ones that thought they were in the front row was not now, second row. And they set us right there. Oh, now I was marked. I was marked. I mean, I actually seen I was marked. Because I didn't think there was any way we were going to get front row. But I, I'm sitting right there. And so they brought this white man out. And this white man spoke, and I thought, well, he's got Shambach's voice. <laughs> he, he has Shambach's voice. And then I realized he's white. That don't make no difference at all, okay? But what I'm saying is, and, and then he says, but I want to bring up a person. His name is Ronald Coyne. Never heard of him. And so Ronnie Coyne come up, and he said, my testimony is I was walking down the street, and I come across the church, and I, and I, I was drawn into that church. And he said, I was not saved at that time, but I was drawn in there by the Spirit. We know that. And so he went in, and he said, the, the lady that was uh, preaching that night, she said, there's somebody here that needs healing. And he said, uh, I don't have eyesight in this eye. And so he said, I'm going to go up. And he went up, and the lady laid on him. He received his total healing. And I thought, okay, well, that's okay. You know, that's, I was okay with that part. And he says, but I perceive. And I thought, well, I read about that with Jesus where he perceived 
good and bad. And I thought, I hope he's not perceiving off me. You know, but then the next thing he said, he says, the only thing is, is the lady didn't know I had a glass eye. And now I am perceiving. He is picking up perceiving of a little bit of doubt because I'm thinking, see, a glass eye. And he sees that. I don't know about that. And, and then he says, he says, and I perceive, I perceive. And he said, oh, it's you right here. He nailed it. He hit me right in the face. And he says, so you're, you're, he didn't call it teeter-tottering. You're kind of having a trouble with this. I said, I really am. He said, Do you, have you met me? No. Anybody talk to you in this service? No. He said, so I want you to get something out of your back pocket that nobody knows about. And so he said that I can read. And I said, okay. And so I went and I graduated high school. And for years I left my little diploma in my wallet. And so I pulled out my little diploma. He didn't know where I was from or anything. And so he says, would you come up here? And so I stood up and I thought, oh, man. Now, I'm, I'm not used to all these people looking at you. And I went up there and he said, w uh, would you hold my eye? Oh, my gosh. Gross. Gross. And I'm looking at a socket. That was more gross. And then he said, okay. I want them to come up here, and you're going to bandage up. You're going to put bandages rounder on my good eye. Then you're going to bandage me up where I can see no light at all. And he said, but you're going to hold my eye. I'm looking at that thing, you know. Nice looking eyeball. Yeah. And so he says, uh, got him all bandaged up, and he said, now you check. Can you see any, any gaps? No. And he said, so I can't see out of this eye. No. He said, hand me what I had. So I handed him my little diploma, and he held it up. He said, Joseph Daryl McCroskey. The Lord said, look at the eyeball, Joe. <laughs> 1965 class of Henrietta High School. I said, Lord, he's reading out that socket or something. I don't know what he's reading. Could be the eye. It could be the eyeball in my hand. I don't know. He's sure reading. And the Lord said, I'm marking you right now. I'm marking you to know I can do anything. It doesn't matter if it's natural or unnatural. I'm marking you because you'll see greater things than this. And he said, I'll take my eye back now. I never doubt again. God can do anything, anything, things that we don't think. And I'm going to tell you, I already know we'll see limbs grow out. We'll see these, these vets that come back with the legs, no legs. Get ready. they coming back on them because he can do anything he wants to do. You'll have a lot of people say, I don't believe that. You don't have to, but I don't believe. How can you write, read out of a socket? Only God. Only God. And it glorified God all through that building. And it marked me, never doubt what I tell you I can do. And I'm going to leave that with you. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so now we're going to test whether you doubt or not. Everybody put your eye out. <laughs> I'm going to hold up four fingers. <laughs> no, that is amazing. It's, uh, it's the glory of God. Um, it's a wonderful thing. 
uh, I, ha I had something that marked me when I was a little boy. I, I think I was around about eight years old, and uh, my dad was on a youth camp. We had a youth camp, and we were sitting around a fire, and a lady demonstrated, manifested uh, a demon spirit right there. And my dad kind of wanted to, my mom wanted to protect us. And I watched, I watched my dad take authority over that demon spirit and cast it out of that person. And uh, I saw the power of God in action from a young boy. And that marked my life. Yes, that I stand here before you still and I remember it. See, the, the spirit world is real. And I, you know, what Brother Joe was talking about, what I want to say is, is that the rulers of this age, they are at work in our institutions, in our systems, in, in people all the time. We have to walk in the power of God and in the glory of God so that we can be the church of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we started the conference with a bang. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Stand to your feet, everybody. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Just raise your hands where you are and just praise Jesus for 30 seconds. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. We bless your name. We thank you for what you've already started here. Thank you for the demonstration of your word with power. We don't come with eloquent speech, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You agree with me right now that we have an expectation that from 6.30 this evening, we are going to start sound and song. And we are going to sound and song until God releases us to stop. And we are going to have a flow of God in sound and song. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. 6.15 for 6.30, you come ready to sing. Become ready to praise and worship the Lord. And these, these things are going to be good. Hallelujah. This is a way that God is going to work in us amongst, us, amongst us. And you agree with me right now that Brother Jerry, when he steps in this pulpit tonight, that he is going to flow in the demonstration and the power of words, the power of the Holy Spirit. Our expectation is ready Hallelujah. We are already changing just from this afternoon. From now, we are already changing. We are already receiving. We are already prepared and willing and ready and able to hear the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Yes! <laughs> oh! Oh! Glory! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll see you later. God bless you. Thank you for coming. <laughs>